Hello and welcome back to the Front Row Podcast. Yes, we're back again. I know it's been a while. Fell off the wagon a little bit with the ending of the season. I, I was planning on recording one to sum up the season, but just never got around to it. But we're back and I'm committed to making this a regular thing. And to make it a bit easier on myself, I've even brought in some new recruits. Yes, that's right. My brothers, Rain and Fionn, are joining me today. And I can promise you, right, they're they're good reporters, I have to say. They're going to be talking today about some hot takes, about some uh about some unpopular opinion we'll get into that a little bit later on but uh first of all rain why don't you go first in introducing yourself how's it going guys my name is rain malloy uh i'm an avid formula one fan from a very early age i'm also the man who recorded the best podcast ever not to be aired but we'll uh, leave that for another day well, we'll see about that, Rain. But uh, anyway, moving on to Fionn, he joins us today for the first time. Fionn, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself now? Yeah, Fionn here. I'm the eldest brother. Uh, quick confession, I'm a massive Formula 3 fan, but I don't know much about Formula 1. So uh, you'll have to bear with me on some of these hot takes. I know a lot more about the young guys than I do about these old heads that are in the F1 game. So who was the biggest loser of the Formula 3 season then, Fionn? Oh, Leclerc. I think he got done. He should have got signed to Prema. And that just cost him the season there, to be honest. He, he raced for Prema, Fionn. Oh, there you go. Well, they should have signed him earlier. They signed him three races too late. Massa. Massa has a penalty. Massa. We're going to talk today about some hot takes, but before that, we're going to get into some uh, early memories of Formula One. Who's your favorite team and who's your favorite driver and what's your first Formula One memory? Okay, right now I am loving McLaren. I like their trajectory at the moment, being one of the worst teams in it about three or four years ago to being, uh, you know, almost contenders this year. Uh, my favourite driver, I suppose, would be Daniel Ricciardo. Has been for a long time. He's just a, a bit of crack on the on the paddock, but is also an amazing racing driver. Unbelievable. Also have a very soft spot for Antonio Giovinazzi. Italian Jesus. Yes. So, uh, Fionn, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so my favourite teams at the moment are the, the Ferrari combo. In other words, Ferrari and Alfa Romeo. I like those two teams. I just, as a kind of mid-pack team and a slightly lower team, just to keep my eye on, rather than looking at Mercedes win every race, it's kind of nice to look at the where the actual battle is going on for teams moving up and down. My earliest memory is probably the very famous race in Spa where the, the rain came down and about half the field crashed out on the first corner. They all piled into each other. That's my first big memory. I watched that race live on RTE2, our local channel here in Ireland. So. Uh, that was kind of fun. I was hooked then. I was like, oh my God, this is absolute mayhem. Then I believe like six or eight cars managed to start restart the race and finish the race. It was a, it was a wild race. I actually forgot to answer that section of the question myself. Uh, my own earliest memory was watching the Jordan F1 team, famously the Irish F1 team, and Giancarlo Fisichella racing for them. He was a fantastic driver. 
and a fantastic team. Yeah, that Jordan 7-Up car was one of my favourite F1 cars. Beauty. Absolutely Absolute beauty. gorgeous. Uh, just, just one of the best cars that's ever been around. Famously driven by uh, Ralph Schumacher's brother, Michael Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Schumacher didn't do too badly then, did he? For literally two races, I believe he did. <laughs> yeah, only the seven world championships for Michael. But anyway, so for me, I I have an absolute soft spot for McLaren, but uh, Rain, you've already said McLaren. So I'm going to go with um, probably Red Bull would be my next favourite team. My favourite driver would probably have to be Lando Norris. Quite similar to what you were saying, Rain, in terms of uh, he's a young well he's a young driver and he's jokey uh he doesn't take life too seriously breath of fresh air one of the best uh junior drivers there's ever been uh has one of the best records in the junior career world championships all of that um and then my earliest f1 memory was probably from canada 2012 when it was lashing down rain and Jensen Button started from the back of the grid and he worked his way up from up to the top and he chased down Sebastian Vettel in his Red Bull. And I remember towards the end, what allowed Button to get through was uh, Vettel spun and everyone was going crazy saying, oh my God, he's actually human. Like he can make a mistake. Uh, so that was one of my earliest F1 memories. I'm sure there was more uh, from from before but that that's the one that really stands out to me in my head now of course Vettel is a Beyblade and pretty much spins <laughs> on every that he does. yeah yeah a Beyblade he's a, a spinny boy as you like to call him film hey hey steering wheel somebody tell him to give it to me anyway so we're going to uh get on with this podcast and so what we're going to be talking about today is I posted in a Formula One fan page. I believe it's just called Formula One on Facebook. And I asked for some unpopular opinions and I got 200 comments or something along them lines. Uh, so before that, though, Fionn, we were talking and I know you have some uh, you have a hot take you would like to share with us about Aston Martin and Lance Stroll. So why don't you take the floor and uh, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so my hot take essentially is that Mr. Lance Stroll will outperform Sebastian Vettel this season. Uh, And the reason I say that is I don't know if he'll necessarily outqualify him every race, but I think he's going to finish with a higher points total than his teammate. Mostly based on the fact that he was essentially in this car last season. So the car setup is familiar to him. I know they're not getting as much stick as the Martin this year of being so similar to the Mercedes. But it's still got the bones of that old Mercedes copy from last season in it. Which, of course, Stroll drove. Vettel coming over from Ferrari. Ferrari were atrocious and all over the place. Not just the power engine that they had, but also the setup of the car. I read a lot of things that it was slightly strange. They were trying to do something different from all the other teams and it didn't work out for them. So he's going to have to readjust, if you like, to a more conventional car setup. And I think that might take him a little bit of time. So maybe over the course of his career with Aston Martin, 
maybe Stroll doesn't beat him, but I think this season Stroll beats Vettel in the overall scheme of things. That's interesting you say that because you have to remember here that Vettel is a four-time world champion. And you look at his, his transition from Red Bull to Ferrari and it, it, it didn't take him long to adapt to that car. Uh, so in jumping from Ferrari, which is a worse team, to Aston Martin, surely it would only be beneficial to him making that jump, no? So mostly the, the car setup. At the time, Ferrari were really competitors with Red Bull at the time and the, the two cars were set up quite similar very fast but last season i heard a lot of critics say that the downforce was weird on the ferrari car the whole setup was weird and that both drivers including leclerc who like they they had two fantastic drivers and both of them failed to get really anything clerk did better than than vettel but at the end of the day neither performed anywhere close to what anyone was expecting so when that car did so badly, I just felt going from such an extremely bad setup to what felt like quite a tight setup for what is Aston Martin now last season seemed to be much better. And I think he's going to take him maybe even two or three races, but I think Stroll will be so dialed in that that'll be enough to make sure that he never gets caught by Vettel for the rest of the season. So where do you rate Stroll on the grand scheme of things on the grid? Pretty high. I would put him... Definitely in the top 10 of drivers on the grid. I know that's not really high given there's only 20 of them, but I definitely consider him top half of the drivers. I think he's definitely put on a massive improvement last year and I'd like to see him continue that. I wouldn't be surprised if he does manage to nick a win somewhere in this season, especially if Aston Martin can be as competitive. But of course, all the car manufacturers come out and say, oh, this is our year. We're going to be miles better than we were last year crazy modifications and we expect to win everything so we'll see how true it is for Aston Martin but if you'd asked me two years ago what I thought of Stroll I would have said he was shy and he was there on daddy's money but this year I think last year he proved that he has a bit of talent to him he's definitely quick and he can definitely overtake so I'd like to see him have a, a fighting chance at getting his car if he starts around fifth I think he has the skill level to fight towards the, the front of the grid then Ben, do you have anything to add on to Fionn's theories here? I do, and I absolutely disagree with Fionn's hot take. I'm going to follow that up with almost a hot take, like it's a hot take in the making to counteract his point. So, my issue with saying Vettel will not uh, adjust to this car, we are looking at what is essentially a green Mercedes, right? Uh, now, Look at the black Mercedes that we had last year. We had someone driving the worst car on the grid, George Russell, step into that car and dominate a race from start to finish. So for me, looking at coming from a poor setup like Ferrari into a good setup, a really fast setup like Aston Martin, I think he's going to absolutely excel rather than uh, regress. Yeah, well, like, it's not like the, the racing points now Aston Martin shot around the circuit last year. Like, they weren't competing with what was the former Mercedes. So I don't think a comparison between going from Williams' shy team to the actual Mercedes winning car that was destroying everybody is the same as Vettel going from shy Ferrari to Vettel going to shy old Mercedes. To be fair, I see what Rian is saying here in that George Russell 
came out of a Williams car, which was ter- a terrible car. Like it's it's not a good racing car, and it, uh, absolutely it's not the same as being in the Ferrari. But he came out of that that car and jumped straight into the Mercedes and almost won the race, would have won the race if it weren't for some incredibly unfortunate mishaps. Um, so what I, I'm, I'm wondering, why don't you think that Vettel can do the same thing, especially seeing as we've seen him move from Red Bull to Ferrari and excel there in his first few seasons? George Russell, with almost no experience of any other car, can move from a Williams straight into a, uh, a Ferrari or uh, a Mercedes. Why can't the four-time world champion of Vettel move straight into an Aston Martin and be good? Yeah, I think my point is a copy of a Mercedes car is not the same as jumping into a Mercedes team. I think for sure Vettel could have won that race if he did jump in the vet into the. Mercedes by like 20, 30, 60 seconds. By, by all accounts, the, uh, the racing point of last year was a very driver-friendly setup. Uh, you know, Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll both came out and said it's quite easy to drive. I think Aston Martin are going to keep that going, uh, going forward. And Lawrence Stroll has come out and said that they are setting up this car to help Sebastian Vettel win. He's not focusing on his son. He's focusing on getting Sebastian Vettel into contention again. I don't believe that for a single second. Of course you say that about the four-time world champ that you just signed, that everything's for him. I don't believe for one second Daddy isn't gearing this thing for Lance Stroll to win. And okay, lads, that's one side of the coin of, okay, Vettel can jump in a car and be competitive anywhere. But also you have to remember Lance has had like practice in this car. He's had two seasons in this car, if you like, with last year into this year. So I think you have to give him a little bit more respect in saying he's not going to be some slowpoke rolling around in first gear. This guy's quick as well. And my hot take wasn't that Vettel would be shy. It would be that Stroll is going to beat him in this by the time the season comes to an end. I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely possible anyway, for sure. We'll watch that with interest. But, Rain, do you have any hot takes you want to share with us? Absolutely. I have a screamer of a hot take. This one is stratospheric, okay? So, last season, we had one of the worst performances ever by a Formula 1 team, and that was Williams. Williams are not going to do it again this year. The They finished with zero points last year. And a team this year is going to trump that. They are going to finish with negative points this season. And I'll tell you why. There's two reasons. The the team involved is Haas. And I believe that they're going to get something wrong with the setup of their car. So Haas are a team in history who have bought in a lot of their components. uh, Very much plug and play. Uh, The rules involving uh, taking parts from other manufacturers has become a lot more strict. And by all accounts, the Haas team is in a little bit of disarray. They're they're not very good at planning these things out. I think somebody has made an oversight somewhere and one of those parts that they've bought in is going to be illegal and deemed illegal by the FIA, leading to a similar penalty to what we saw uh, in Racing Point last season. 
My second point about getting deducted points is, I don't know if the listeners are up to date on this, but WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, have come out and said uh, all Russian athletes cannot uh, compete in their sport under the Russian flag or call themselves Russian. Now, a young rookie driver coming in for Haas this season, Nikita Maspin, is a Russian. So he said, yeah, no problem. I won't display my flag uh, and I'll think about what way I'm going to classify myself, possibly an uh, unassociated driver from Russia or something. I can't remember the exact words that he used. But recently, in the past week, Haas have come out with their livery, their livery sponsored by Nikita Mazepin's father. Uh, and the entire livery is just Russian flags. Now, the FIA have come out preliminarily and said, this is not going to be a problem. But I can see further down the line when uh, when teams are going to start complaining. I think this is going to pick up a bit of heat as well. Uh, because, yeah, this guy is driving down the road. He's not meant to have a Russian flag anywhere near him. And he's driving down the road in a Russian flag. That's literally what it is so i feel like maybe Haas are going to get penalty points for this and they're going to finish with maybe minus 10 points on the season because we know they're not going to score a single point uh from races over the course of the next season yeah i see what you mean in terms of the the first point you made in that the they're buying in a lot of parts and the rules are changing and we've seen how racing point got caught out with the rear brake ducts and they, they were even told uh originally that those parts were legal and they were allowed to do what they were doing and they were in it, it was never a mystery that they were in collaboration with mercedes but they still got caught the rule changed uh and and that was them done despite having developed that part before and i see that obviously there's a lot of real changes and there's a lot of things different in that you have to be making a certain amount of things and i can see how that might go wrong for uh, a team like Haas who who traditionally buy in a lot of things especially this season when they're they they really don't care about their car um i think it's undeniable that they'll more than likely score no points they're already saying that 99% of their focus is on the 99% of their focus is on the 2022 car um so that it's almost a write off but in the second thing you were saying there about the flags uh I read a piece that said that the F1 had already signed off on that particular livery and I know WADA are getting involved uh, and and investigating it to see if there's any breach of the ban that the Russian Sports Federation have on uh, representation. But I don't think the FIA will get involved in that and put a actual ban on them, if you know what I'm saying. I think it will be more like a WADA might slap a fine on them or tell them to change it, but I don't think there'll be an actual penalty for them from the FIA. But th- this is my point exactly, that uh, the FIA made a U-turn on uh, multiple things in the past. So like you were saying with Racing Point, there was a little bit of a U-turn. The rules changed after they had said it was okay. Uh, it's the same with Ferrari. When Ferrari first came out with their engines from 
two or three years ago, uh, the FIA said there's nothing illegal or wrong going on here. And then after further investigation, decided that they were, yeah, cheating. So um, I, I think it's possible. Now, it's a steaming hot take for a reason. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's possible. Yeah, for sure. Fionn, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, Rain's right that Haas are a bit of a shit show at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if for the first race they enter three cars, that being Mick Schumacher's car and also uh, the Grosjean's two half cars from last season and see if they can race those. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I can see them trying it. Uh, I also have to give them praise for uh, the big baller move of being banned from using a flag. So they just go, Grant, we'll take loads of money off your dad and we'll make the whole team's race livery Russia colours. Like, I, I honestly don't think WADA can come at them. It does say specifically they can't use equipment or anything with the Russian flag on it. But if the team's colours are those colours, that's not for... It's for both athletes under the team. It's not specific just to Mazepin. So I don't think they can... And even if they do slap a few stars on the blue bit, boom, it becomes a weird American flag livery. So I think they can get around it from that. But I think, to be honest with you, Haas are in development at the moment for the 2022 car to sell the team. Like, they're not even going to race the 2022 car. That could be a super hot take. They're like, there will be no Haas 2022 car. Another hot take would be, well, actually, no, but... If they if they didn't have the downforce changes this season, I could see Haas. If you don't have your downforce being limited, I could see Haas. If you're not developing the car, being over the qualifying time margin to actually qualify for races, like on a particularly quick track, I could see them not even making it to the grid, like being banned from starting. I mean, what is it like the one hundred and twenty-five percent or one hundred and fifteen percent of like that's a ridiculous margin to be out. By. Yeah, one hundred and twenty percent. I thought I had in my head. But yeah, whatever it is, but that that's crazy. Uh, it's a lot. I I t- I don't see that happening. We did we did see it with Caterham though when they were racing the a couple of times that last season that they were in they were very poor and a couple of times a car didn't make it to the grid. Yeah, that's incredible. Like the that HRT and that Caterham team were so terrible. I think it was two hundred and fifty-five races they competed in, which like they never scored a single point. I don't like uh, and in terms of Haas, I don't see that happening to them. I think they're probably quick enough, especially bringing the cars over from twenty twenty. Uh, I don't see that happen, but <laughs> you were mentioning that Caterham team, and oh my, it was truly, truly shocking how bad they were. Yeah, ten seasons of racing without a point—that's crazy. Yeah, for sure. And radio check. It's Friday then. It's Saturday Sunday. What? It's Friday then. Saturday Sunday. What? Yeah, it's okay. Anyway, we're going to move into the unpopular opinions. And as I said, thank you to everyone who sent me in some of their unpopular opinions. Uh, the first one is quite a controversial one. Uh, Ayrton Senna seems to be the man people love to hate in Formula 1. And Alex Bazden says, Ayrton Senna remains the most overrated world champion the sport has ever seen. 
Ah, get fucked. No, we're not doing this one. Move on tonight. He can't say that. The man was ridiculously good. That's a joke. No way. Right, that that race in Brazil. That is disrespectful of the highest level. The man beat half the field with, in just fifth gear. He couldn't even go lower than fifth gear or higher than fifth gear. Well, I think I know the race you're talking about. It was the race in Brazil. He had to keep uh-huh. his hand... He had to keep his hand on the gear stick. They had a gear stick at the time. He had to keep his hand on it the entire time because it would slip out of gear. Crazy, yeah, crazy ridiculous. stuff to still go on and win that race. As I said, he's probably the the person people love to hate most in yeah. Formula One. Yeah. Anyway, the next one said Maldonado is a better driver than Senna. Well, look, if you say that he stayed alive for the length of his career, then yeah. <laughs> Oh, just barely, Fionn, just barely. What I would like to point out, though, is in today's day and age, if you start Maldonado as a rookie and Senna as a rookie, Maldonado gets picked up first. Not because of his racing pedigree or anything like that. It's because he gets money. He has a lot of financial backing from the Venezuelan government and Senna grew up poor. So, yeah, I think he would definitely start on the grid ahead of Senna in the 2021 season. And he, he, Maldonado was a famous proprietor of Senna in that famous quote where he says, if you don't go for a gap that you see, you're not a race driver. Maldonado went for everything. He put his car in. There wasn't even gaps, no there. gaps at all. He just made his own gaps. If you don't make a gap and or crash into a man on his outlap after he got in your way of qualifying, you're not a real race driver. The next one says that Spa is the most overrated track on the calendar. Ah, uh, I mean, you could definitely say, maybe you could argue it's overrated. To say it's the worst track, I mean, there's some truly horrific tracks on the F1 calendar. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, as long as there's Abu Dhabi is on the calendar, you cannot have Spa as the worst track like, on the grid. Shocking. Like It's shocking. A case, a case can be made for Sochi as well. But Just that's dreadful. two already that are worse than Spa. Now, personally, personally, I like watching Spa. I don't think it's that bad of a race. Oh, Rouge is pretty fun to watch them. Like, there's a bit of, there's usually a bit of drama in it. But I think you could definitely, I wouldn't be upset if you tried to say it wasn't a top tier racetrack. But to say it's one of the worst on the calendars, nah, come on. My point when it comes to Spa is it's just too long. If you handpicked some of the top corners, from Spa and put them into a condensed racetrack, it would be one of the best on the calendar. But there's just too much, uh, yeah, just dead space in there. The lap is too long. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the original layout of Spa from the 60s, but it was like seven or eight minutes long to drive yeah. around. Like The Nürburgring. It was, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like the Nürburgring. Go flying into trees on the edge of the on the edge of the race. Yeah, box. it was ridiculous. But anyway, the next one is another one. Uh, Hamilton is not or will never be as good as Max Verstappen. What do you think? So I guess that depends on what you're talking about. Are you talking about race skill? I think you could easily make that argue if it's pure wins you're looking for, then Hamilton is one of the best, if not the best ever. I, I reckon he's going to win the world championship again this year. That would give him the record for world championships won by any driver. Verstappen hasn't won anything yet. So, listen, I we, mean, like we love to hate Lewis Hamilton here on this podcast, but you, you can't argue with the fact that he's an absolutely unbelievable champion and he's one of the best who's ever done it. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, I'm saying in 
a F2 car. Equal machinery. Who wins? Verstappen. Well, I'm going to say Hamilton just on experience. I think it, Hamilton and then Verstappen has been known to lose his head a little bit as well. So if he's stuck behind Hamilton, maybe he makes a mistake and spins out or something goes wrong. He's not the coolest head on the grid either. Yeah, you say that, but also you have to look at Hamilton as well. Like, I mean, he's collided with Albon them few times. He's he's self-admittedly not a good loser. Um, But there's been a few times where he's pulled over. I mean, look at Rosberg in, I believe it was Catalonia, uh, when they crashed each other. Yeah, but out. I don't mind that because Albon deserves it. So like- he, he got... He got very violent as well with Rosberg when Rosberg was challenging him. So he, he, I think he hit him three or four times that season. Yeah, like the one in Catalonia where uh, they were fighting for the lead, and the a few times, yeah, that that um, Hamilton or Rosberg took each other out. So I don't know. Like there was, I I feel like he they're a bit hot headed. Uh, both of them. So I don't know who would win in an F2 race. Speaking of Nico Rosberg, actually, the next one says that Nico Rosberg is underrated. Um, I've never heard him being discussed as underrated. Uh, he is a world champion, but w- what do you guys think? I've never talked to anybody who said Nico Rosberg is not good. Yeah, I mean, the man won a world championship. Now, unless you think maybe you're saying that he should have won more and that people need to give him more respect than he's getting. But yeah, I think, I don't think he's like undervalued. I don't think anyone says that he sh- shouldn't, didn't deserve what he won. I guess that's overvalued. Maybe I'm talking the wrong way here, but do you know what I mean? I think he gets, I think he gets a fair amount of respect from the F1 community. Yeah. I mean, you can't Look, deny, I think- you can't deny being a, a world champion. Uh, I th- I think where where it comes from is that like he would say himself when he retired that he um he didn't want to go through that effort again. It takes so much to get to that pinnacle of the sport and really uh, and to achieve what he achieved. He said he didn't want to go through that effort again, and maybe that's where he gets pulled down on the respect he's given. He only did it once. He didn't come back yeah. and do it another time so maybe that's where he was uh pulled down in in the respect he's given you know but he's still a world champion and he still be Lewis Hamilton and he even has the record for most consecutive victories in a row seven Hamilton only has five I'll say that was in the uh, hybrid era a, a hot take moving on from what you just said Brogan if Rosberg was Hamilton's opponent last season after him winning five in a row. I don't think he comes back this season because it's going to be that tough to race against a competitor. He's very lucky to have an idiot in the next car beside him. Look, I think it's di- I think it's difficult as well to analyze these as hot takes, especially when you're looking at like driver comparisons. I think it's more maybe unpopular opinions for this. Is Rosberg underrated or overrated? Like, it's difficult to argue that everyone's going to have their own opinion. I don't think you can really look at stats and say, oh, well, clearly that's a crazy opinion versus a, an obvious opinion, maybe. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you on on that one. It's very hard to decipher. But anyway, moving on from that, uh, we're going to talk about one. Fionn, you probably won't like this one, but it is. Vettel is one of the most overrated drivers I've ever seen. His racecraft is shocking. He can't carry out a clean overtake, and he can only win when he starts on pole. Uh, this is a four-time world champion we're talking about. <laughs> I, well, I mean... like. Like, I mean, does it matter? It like a win is a win is a win. The man's a four time world champion. Now, whether he did it from the front or not, but like if you look at the statistics, it's not like first place, like first on the grid is a guaranteed race win. Like you still have to win it. Also, having said that, I'm pretty sure there's a number of races I remember where Vettel has come from the back or near the back and overtaken everyone to go and win it so it's not like he can't overtake it he just rolls around and gets eaten by everyone coming up behind him like i think that's that is like a seriously rough take i don't know if that's a hot take or just a crazy person to be honest with you yeah to to say that vettel can't overtake is insane the unanimous opinion is that he's one of the best when it comes to overtakes i mean it i mean the guy has done a lot with that terrible Ferrari car that he had under him last season. He was, I know he got bogged down in the midfield a lot, but when he got down there, he was making unbelievable overtakes. We were seeing a lot more of Vettel than he really deserved being in 12th or 11th place all of the time. He got airtime because he's that good at overtaking. Yeah, I think that's, it's a bit rough to say that's your hot take when the actual literal stats tell you that you're already wrong before you've even had the take my hot take is that ricardo and norris will crash each other out a few times this year big egos make big results yeah they're both coming into a team that they both want to be top dog in and they're looking for any way to get ahead and they're already don't like each other i don't think yeah when you put two big egos in the car beside each other we've seen it Many, many times before, Senna and Prost, Rosberg and Hamilton, you get results. It would not surprise me if the McLaren cars, even if their performance is not that good, will still be challenging for that second spot in the Constructors' Championship just because they have two guys in there who are very, very hot-headed and very, very, you know, wanting to beat each other at every single opportunity. Yeah, Rin, I hear what you're saying, but also consider this for a moment. The two people you said there, so Senna and Prost and ha- ha- Hamilton and Rosberg, both top of their game, right? When you're a team like McLaren, you I don't believe you can afford to have that much of a rivalry. That like You can't afford to be taken out of the race. If both your drivers don't finish, that can be the difference between uh, a second-place finish, a third-place finish, and a fourth-place finish. Be- but the thing is, with... Uh, Ricardo and Norris I don't like it's so tight in that midfield with Racing Point they had a disadvantage at the start of the year and that's the only reason why McLaren finished third in the first place now if they want to push on obviously all the other teams are going to be pushing on as well I don't think they can afford to have Norris and Ricardo fighting each other and taking them out even if it's only once or twice in a season I don't think it's worth it for them I think there's only one guaranteed crash out this season, and it's that George Russell will try and sail and Lewis Hamilton into a sand dune 
on Zandvoort to try and get a drive in the Mercedes for the next race. Some, somehow, Magnussen has gone to crash into Grosjean. It, neither of them are in... Oh, yeah. Neither of them are in F1 guys. on the news. Yeah. On the news, red flag. Grosjean's in Monaco and he's on fire. And that's the end of the race. Yeah, Magnussen will be asked to do the IndyCar safety car or something and he'll just uh, crash into Grosjean straight away immediately. F1 going to get in trouble for zooming in on Grosjean's face as Magnussen plows his car into, <laughs> into his car. And everyone will be like, F1, why are you showing us that? And secretly everyone's like, oh, this is the best bit of the whole thing. Like, Jesus, the biggest fireball we've seen in years in F1. Everyone's given out that we saw it on telly. No, I want to I want to replay that. Haas should have that printed on the side of their car in some sort of moving logo that's computer-like. <laughs> put over on by a computer as the car goes around the track like just fireball after fireball actually speaking of that we were i was watching the formula e last week and was it alex lynn or was it bird i'm not i'm still getting to grips with who oh, it was yeah. but the, like what of them the jaguar straight up just drove into the side of them and flipped them upside down and people were complaining commentators Never even mentioned it. Never said a thing about it. He got drove into the wall as well. Yeah, absolutely just drove. That's what Russell's going to do to Hamilton. Literally into the wall, boom, over a sand dune, <laughs> onto the beach, gone. Yeah, but not, no one ever even mentioned. It was It was actually, was it not Alex Lynn who was upside down? It was Sam Bird who uh, came to his aid. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to get to grips with all the Formula E names. But anyway, our next one is... That Fernando is not toxic, but is misunderstood. What do you think about that one? I think that's probably the best hot take we've heard so far. I think there's definitely that opinion around him. In fact, I read a piece already today about the Alpine boss saying he's quite difficult to work with. But in the sense that the in the way that they like that he's pushing, that he knows what he wants and that he's setting up the car in a more competitive manner and not accepting any errors on the side of the technical team. Uh, and I think that's a trait that's probably involved in a lot of in a lot of race drivers in almost a sense of the reverse of what happened to Vettel where kind of Ferrari shut him out and wouldn't let him kind of put his stamp on the car and set it up the way he wanted it to. Or at least that's what the reports were. So yeah, I think that is a hot take. I do think he maybe gets a worse rap than he deserves. But that's not to say that he's not a difficult person, just to say that he's a difficult person, but it is the way you have to be at this top level of sports. Or at least it's our way of being to be super competitive at a really high level of sports. When he came back to McLaren, uh, when he was alongside Stoffel Van Dorn, uh, he was given an awful bad rep for the way he was acting in that car. I think he was almost entitled to be that way. He came to McLaren uh, under the presumption that he would have a championship caliber car uh, under him. And it just wasn't the case. The car was one of the worst on the grid. This is a guy who's gone from being at the top of every leaderboard for the last five or six years running and all of a sudden he's in this you know lower tier car i think he absolutely had the right to be upset about that 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, Ren. I, I honestly do. But the way I see it is when I when I look at Alonso, he just seems kind of slimy. I don't know. Like it, it seems that controversy has always followed him around. Like he had Crash Gate when he was at Renault and with Nelson Piguet Jr. And you had like the Alonso is faster than you thing with Felipe Massa. It to me, it just seems like when you get Alonso in, you're bringing controversy and. There might be some toxicity with that. Yeah, but toxic suggests that he costs his team. And I would argue, yeah, he might be a bit of a dickhead, but I think he definitely makes his teams better. And again, we're talking about a world champ here. This isn't some fella at the back of the grid. This isn't Giovinazzi getting uppity in Alfa Romeo. Like, this is a world champ who wants to become world champ again. And he's pushing his team to the limit. We're not happy about that Italian okay. Jesus uh, comment right there. Don't talk dirt about Giovinazzi. And, you know, personalities don't win championships. Results do. And if you look at Fernando Alonso's results over the course of his career, he has only been beaten by a teammate once. Yarno truly beat him. Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Alonso. But anyway, the next one is that DRS sucks. Personally, don't agree with this one. Mm, no, Do you want less that. overtaking? Is that what these people want? They just want to see a procession of cars go around and round and round. I suppose people want skillful overtakes. You know, they want they don't want you just have less downforce and get a boy. Okay, so in other words, take the engines out of the Formula One cars, put in bicycle pedals, so that all the cars have about the same speed, and then you'll get it. Like, if you want that, go watch Formula 2 or Formula 3. Like, the reality is these cars aren't That's called equal. a Tour de France film. These cars aren't equal. Like, you have to give slow cars some way of overtaking faster cars. And, like... Yeah, like, no one wants to watch a race that is just people following other people, if you know what I mean, for 57 laps or something. Even though we kind of see that with Lewis Hamilton leading the way. But I'm saying, look at the more midfield things. No one wants to just see the same order of cars, like the same top 10 finish in the same order, you know? It, it shuffles it up a little bit. And then when you do shuffle it up a little bit, yeah. the faster car will have to try and come back. And it's not always going to be on the straight. It will it will enable people to take uh, take corners, um, overtake on corners and become better racing overall mm -hmm. elsewhere on the track not just on the straights and i think as well i can i can see why people think it's a little bit boring where you're getting if a car is uh like 200 300 behind on the main straight open crs and just passes them on the main straight okay was that really more exciting than not passing maybe a tiny bit but i think where drs comes in advantage for the rest of the race is when you've got a fella 700s behind and he uses the DRS and he doesn't get the overtake done but now all of a sudden he's 100s or 200s behind now you get more overtakes on the circuit at different points of the circuit so I think we would even lose it goes beyond just the main straight over or the DRS zone overtakes I think if you take DRS out you also lose a lot of mid circuit overtakes if you like that I'm right the next one is is that Lance Stroll deserves his seat and is no more a pay driver than Lando Norris. What do we think about that? Fiona, I know you love Lance Stroll. What do you think? 
Uh, I think you're wrong to say that he's no more a paid driver than Lando Norris. I think I understand his point that all these lads are usually sponsored by whether it's directly their dad or national companies like Perez or like, yes, these guys come in with a lot of money and there's no plebs anymore that came in off the street that just have natural talent or at least very few of them. But uh, I don't think I agree with him to say that he doesn't deserve his seats or is that or what did he what was the first yeah it's that he Lance Stroll deserves a seat and is no more pay driver than Lando Norris is okay I agree with him I think he does deserve the seat definitely in my opinion last season alone proved that in in his performance and his uh competition with his teammate but I do disagree with him like I mentioned on the paid driver situation i think absolutely he has more advantage than say someone like lando norris or perez who comes in with a lot of money but like his dad owns the team he's maybe one of the two or three safest seats in all of formula one yeah i i, I see where you're coming from with that and I, by no means do i think lance Stroll doesn't deserve his seat on the grid he has been a champion in the past he's obviously a quick driver uh, he a pole sitter. You can't deny him that two time podium, uh, achiever last season. I find it interesting that they brought up Lando Norris for this because he's had one of the most, as I said earlier, one of the most successful, uh, rookie, amateur like underage careers that there has been, uh, in in the world of motorsport. So I, I I'm not so sure. I agree. Maybe he could have used a different, uh. A different person to to compare um Lance Stroll to because I think Lando Norris a hundred percent deserves a seat seat regardless of the money that he may or may not bring in. I'm actually not sure how much money he brings in, but you know what I mean. Rain, I see you shaking your head there. What do you think? Uh Lance Stroll is pants. He's <laughs> he's really dreadful. Too many times we saw on restarts, you know, after safety cars, after red flags, Lance Stroll, he's in a nice position, third, fourth place. Uh, we're talking about, will he get on the podium? He just goes backwards far too many times. He's not a good driver. Lawrence Stroll had the opportunity to put Sebastian Vettel in a car, Next to Sergio Perez, that's a very strong team. He pussied out and went with his son. Well, I think he's How always, he? yeah, he's always going to go with his son. Like, come on, realistically. But also, I'd, I'm not so sure. Like, I think Sergio Perez is desperately overrated. Like, I know he got that chance in his in his career to go to McLaren, and it was a poor McLaren car. But also, like, he's only ever been a middle of the pack driver at best. Like, he did not impress. Until last year, when he had an amazing car in the racing point. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. In the sense that it's hard to find a reason he's around versus some other drivers who are not around. The one that immediately jumps to my mind is Hulkenberg. Like, how has Hulkenberg not got a seat, but Perez has? Like, is Perez way better than Hulkenberg? I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah, I agree with you. Now, there's plenty of drivers that you're like, mm, are they really, like that goes especially down the bottom of the pack so i mean he's not again i don't think he's undeserving of a seat in formula one but 
also I don't think he's the best driver either like you mentioned yeah I think uh, I you, you mentioned his time at uh, McLaren uh, Sergio Perez's time at McLaren I think that was way too early in his career to be giving him that seat I know there are guys who come in and they excel in their first or second season Sergio Perez is not one of those guys. I think he's improved and improved over his entire career. And I'm really happy that he's getting this break uh, to go and race for one of the best teams. And I think he's going to, he's not going to beat uh, Max Verstappen, but he's certainly not going to be as bad as Alex Albon in that car. No, I, I agree with you probably. And uh, like, I did like Albon, but yeah, I probably agree with you that Perez is going to be a little bit, a little bit better. I think, Albon suited a worse car, maybe. But anyway, we have uh, only a couple more to go. Uh, this one says, The W Series is not a good platform to promote women in motorsport and being looked upon as equal in skill as men. All formulae should be gender neutral, and as such, women should strive to drive at the pinnacle of the sport if they so choose or desire. Okay, I uh, think that's a two-parter. I, I absolutely disagree i think they should be given a place to race as well but then i also agree that yes absolutely the door should be left open for them to race in formula 3 formula 2 and formula 1 but i don't see why there's a bad side to having a a women only like a formula 3 or a formula 2 like to suggest that you shouldn't race unless you can make it to f1 like there's plenty of drivers who race in F2 and F3 for their whole career. So why not have a women's series, even just as a promotion, like to get more women in at the grassroots and show that there can be competitive high-level racing that can pay? Because another problem is these women want to be professional drivers. And without these series or with these series, you can pay a lot more women drivers. Therefore, you can give them an opportunity to make a career out of motorsport. And that as well is going to be not, not just the visual of seeing the women race, but also knowing as a woman that there's a chance where, okay, even if I don't make it to F1, I can make a career out of this. And of course, just by pure numbers, the more women you get in, the more talent you're going to see. And eventually there'll be a talent that'll make it. I know we have Calderon. Is she still in F3 or is she in F2 at the moment? I believe she is in F2 at the moment. She was last year anyway. I actually think she finished F2. I think she's racing in in the Japan Formula Series at the moment. So, do you know what I mean? If if she's breaking down the barriers, I think the more women we get into the sport, okay, is it great to, to kind of have that separate division? Maybe it's not the best, but I don't think it's going to hurt anyone. I think having more women involved is going to be brilliant. And if you can encourage them to come in, this is a great way to do it. Now, does it automatically deserve to go in as a support race behind F1, which is what they're talking about? Like, have it on on the weekends behind F1? I don't know. But again, if the whole point is for this visual to come out, then I think you have to, right? That's how people are going to tune in to watch it if it's around. Yeah, listen, it's it's definitely not a bad thing. It can only be, be a good thing that women are getting this exposure in uh in this kind of way and it's not like women can now only ever compete in the w series like they can go through the same route as uh any any other male or anyone else you know 
And to me, like no one's stopping them doing that. It's just adding this extra platform to get more women into the sport. And it's not going to replace anything else. It's not going to be banned women from F2 or F3. And we've seen, we've seen as well in the lower formula, it's, it's not always about winning, if you know what I mean. So sometimes just being able to get your name on the grid and seeing how these drivers drive is enough to get an opportunity to drive for the Formula 2 teams or the Formula 1 teams, if that makes sense. So getting these drivers on the track, it doesn't have to be the highest quality standard. Like we've seen F2, there's some really bad drivers in F2 that'll never get to Formula 1. But to say that you should scrap it because, oh, well, let's make a totally separate series where only the good F2 drivers show up. That doesn't make sense either. So you have to have a place where these people can get out on track compete against each other and have these eyes evaluate them on what their driver skill level is because when you mow when you move them up nobody it's not always obvious whether someone can transition from a car at a certain series to another car we've seen people do terrible in f3 buy their way up to f2 and be much more competitive so having a separate series where you where you can give another shot to go and race people and stand out i think that's can only benefit drivers Ryan, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think uh, Fionn's covered a lot of the points there, but I think one thing that we really need to mention as well is it's not like women are given equal opportunities when it comes to the Formula Series. It, women struggle to get into karting. They're laughed off a little bit when they're at the youth level. Uh, it's a male-dominated sport. The men pick up all of the sponsors when the women are left to fund themselves. I think, I mean, yeah, giving this opportunity to women to race in fast cars, uh, almost at the same level as the Formula Series, I think, how, how is this a bad thing? It couldn't, couldn't hurt anybody. And I don't think, I think it's a really kind of sexist view to go, oh, but these people are getting the uh, the opportunity to race in the W Series just because they're women. Well, they're not getting the same opportunities as the men to race in Formula One. So why not give them that pedestal? Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that one, Rain. There, uh, mm. they're it's they're not getting the opportunities. We've seen it. If they were getting the opportunities, there would be more women. The only one I know is Tatiana Calderon from Formula 2, and she never made it to Formula 1. Now, that is just, it's statistically off. There's 50-50 men and women, and it can't be 100% men are the good drivers in the world, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and look, we should also be trying to not only keep the door open that's currently there for the traditional F3, F2, F1, like, framework to get into the F1, but also trying to, like Rian said, try and open it more because at the moment they're not getting the same opportunities. So I don't think FIA should go, oh, look, we set up the the W Series, sure, and give themselves a pat on the back. I think they should still be trying to promote women in the traditional series, if you like, as well. Yes, yes, 100%. Yeah, it shouldn't be exclusively the W Series. Uh, Totally agree with you on that one. But our final hot take or our final unpopular opinion of the day is that Monaco should be removed or revamped. It's just not viable for the modern F1 car. Controversial one, I know, but Rian, what do you think about this? Uh, Yeah, I get where this one is coming from. I mean, obviously, 
Monaco is steeped in history. It's everybody watches it regardless of what the racing is going to be like. But we're seeing the cars get wider and wider and the roads are not getting any wider in Monaco. So it's becoming more and more difficult to overtake on the circuit. So, yes, I do see where they're coming from, but I don't think you can say just scrap Monaco from the uh, from the calendar altogether because there's there's too much history there. Yeah, personally, I'm yeah. I'm against uh, scrapping Monaco off the calendar simply because I know people are looking at it and going, well, there's about one overtake every year, but in that, like I remember the race, I think it was uh 2018, might have been 2019, where Max Verstappen was chasing down Lewis Hamilton and Lewis was on the radio saying, oh, uh, Bono, I don't think I can keep him behind me. That in itself was exciting. There was no overtake. And even on the last lap, Max locked up trying to get around him. Like that was the excitement. There is excitement to Monaco in the skill level it takes to win at Monaco it's not easy to win at Monaco, even if you do get on pole, you know? One mistake and you're in a wall, and that could be game over for you. You lose a tiny bit of downforce, you're at such a massive disadvantage uh, driving the streets of Monaco. But using that same example of Verstappen and Hamilton uh, that season, we saw Hamilton on tires that were shot to bits they were over 30 laps old i believe or something like that verstappen had fresh tires on his car there shouldn't have been a question how uh, verstappen should have won that race and i don't think hamilton kept him behind on pure skill i think it was more down to the fact that there are not so many overtaking opportunities in monaco now should it be scrapped or even revamped maybe maybe not not uh, definitely not scrapped but revamped maybe maybe not because you know it's it's a staple and it's it's entertaining i hear what you're saying rian about first up and not being over able to overtake hamilton but consider it this way in that we all know that an overtake is possible some happen every year uh monaco so should it not be a question of if you're good enough, you should be able to do it? Everyone's seen that Hamilton's tires were shot. He was having issues. Verstappen was there. Verstappen should be able to overtake. You know, it, and that's the exciting part of it. You ha- you get to see you weed out the men from the boys. I really like Verstappen, so I know I'm going against him here, but that is exciting. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. It's a super technical track, so I think. It maybe doesn't have the same flash as the as some of the other racetracks have, where you're going, oh wow, look how fast they're going, look how fast that overtake was, or how dramatic that overtake was. But it's a super technical track that really challenges the drivers. Like, yes, we're saying the overtakes are harder because the cars are wide and the, the road is narrow, but the cars are wide and the road is narrow. That makes them really hard to drive, and it really h- highlights the skill of these drivers. I think the other thing that stands out to me, and I think you guys will agree, is something that we mentioned in one of the other hot takes is there's so many other tracks on F1 that I'd rather see get scrapped first that I don't think Monaco should ever get to the point where, especially if they go to 25 races in a season, there's more than enough room to leave like a 
even if it's just a symbolic Monaco. Personally, I wouldn't even like to change it. Like, if you're going to keep it, keep it the way it is. And, like, there's so many other shit race courses that need to go before, like, before Monaco gets anywhere close to being touched. So that's what I would say on that. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you on that one, Fionn. Radio check. Loud and clear. And with that, we come to the end of our podcast. So I'd like to thank the boys for joining me today. Uh, you're very welcome back again. I'm sure we'll be doing this again next week, hopefully. Uh, I'd like to apologize for this podcast. All of my audio has actually been re-recorded, trying to remember what I said after the matter. Uh, so I'm sorry if it sounds a bit jumpy. I had a corrupted audio file and... This is the second time it's happened. I actually, the first time I, it was my fault. I deleted the original audio file, but hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully it's uh, bearable to listen to. I'm sorry if I veer off track a little bit to what's actually being said. I really tried to remember what I was actually talking about. And it's harder than it looks to re-record something you've already said. But anyway, a uh, big thank you to Rain and Fionn. Uh, you're not going to hear them again for this podcast, but they will be back hopefully uh, sometime next week. I don't have a schedule yet on recording days, but hopefully I can get it regular. Uh, really busy these days, but thank you for listening in. Uh, if it's your first time, please drop a like. I'm now on Apple Podcasts. I've just found out. So rate or leave a review. Um, do whatever you can. Promote it if you can. Anything is really appreciated. Drop me some feedback if you want. Uh, we have an Instagram at the Front Row Podcast. If you want to send me a DM, give me conversation topics. What did you think of the podcast? What do you think of the Formula One season so far? Obviously, we've just, as I'm recording this, I've just finished day two of testing. Hopefully, this goes up in and around while the first uh, session of day three is on. So... Yeah, let me know what you're thinking, what you're predicting for the season. I'll get the boys back on. We'll talk about the start of the season in the next episode. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. And goodbye.